Welcome to the Wealth Trifecta, where we explore all things health, wealth, and happiness. This podcast is designed to uplift and ignite your journey to financial independence and lifestyle design. I'm your host, Holly Morphew, personal finance expert, accredited financial counselor, and life enthusiast. True wealth is the convergence of health, happiness, and good fortune. And what I love most about wealth building is that it doesn't matter where you start. What matters is that you start. Wealth is for everyone, and that includes you. Welcome back to the Wealth Trifecta, where we talk all things health, wealth, and happiness. Today's episode is about debt. This is a wealth episode, and if the word debt evokes some kind of emotional response when I say it, you're not alone. So we're going to talk today about what is debt, why do people go into debt, and if you're drowning in debt or if you have some debt, what are your repayment options? Because there are actually a lot of repayment options when it comes to debt. I think it's really fun to sort of learn the behind the scenes of what is happening to collect payments on debt, and sort of what is the overall system that in a lot of ways causes us to go deeper into debt. So we're going to get into all of that today. You know, my own journey to wealth began with debt. And if you followed me for some time, you know my debt story, but I had five-figure debt when I decided that I wanted to live life in a different way. And of course, my debt began with very expensive medication that was $5,000 a month that my insurance didn't cover. Each time I went to the pharmacy to renew my prescription and you know pay the $5,000 on my credit card, I just sort of had this sinking feeling that what I was doing wasn't sustainable. You know, I did that for six months. I had graduated from college. I was living in Boston an entry-level employee at the time, like just starting my career. And then I had this health crisis and I had to pay for this medication. And on the one hand, thank goodness I had the credit cards so that I could get the medication that I needed. On the other hand, I knew that the lifestyle that I was living wasn't sustainable. I knew that something sort of had to give in order for me to continue to take care of my body, get the medication that I needed, you know, my rent was really expensive where I lived. And so ultimately after those six months where I had racked up about $30,000 credit card debt, I think at the time I was only 24, 25, I decided to move back home and live with my parents who didn't charge me rent at the time. And that really helped me to move forward in my wealth journey because then the money that I wasn't putting toward rent, I was then able to save or start repaying my debt. But really, truly, it wasn't until a few years after that, that my debt became a problem. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I worked in real estate the first six years of my career, um, had a great job, was a high earner. But all the money that I was making was leaving my accounts just as fast as it came in. And then during a snowstorm, I had this sort of existential moment where I saw that what I was doing wasn't serving my values. You know, a mantra that I have in sort of the way that I live my life is that life is for living. And so finding that balance between living for today 
And also knowing that I'm taking care of future Holly is really important to me. And in that moment, I realized that if I went to work, I would be risking my life. My office was 40 miles from my house. I drove a Honda Accord. The whole state was shut down. And I just knew that there was a chance that I might not make it. And how important was it for me to get to work that day? That was really the question that I asked myself. And I realized that, okay, well, if I don't go to work, I called my boss. She said, if you don't come in, you're fired. I thought, well, I won't get my next paycheck. And I needed my next paycheck to pay my credit card minimum payments, to make my mortgage payment, to pay my car payment, and just to live this lifestyle that I had created for myself where you know I was receiving all these messages from, let's just say, the world and society that I was successful because I had the house and the car and the lifestyle and the job. But on the inside, I didn't feel successful. I felt stressed. I felt like I was a slave to my job and that if I didn't go to work, I wouldn't get paid, then I wouldn't be able to to make my payments and I could lose the house, the car, you know, the lifestyle. And so I realized that I was truly living in this metaphorical house of cards. And that was the moment when I decided to change my life. And so, of course, the next day I called my financial advisor and I asked him for help. I said, look, you know, I just added up all my balances on my credit cards. I haven't been looking at it for the past few months. I just had an idea of what was coming in and going out. And I knew that my credit card balances were growing, but I didn't realize that they had reached $67,000. What do I do? And he asked me how much more money I wanted to invest each month. And that was the moment, again, I just kept having these moments after moments where I started realizing all these things that I'm sort of being taught and fed about how to manage money and the world and what is success. It just didn't fit in with my own paradigm of success. You know, I just wanted more freedom and choices in my life. And I knew that the key to that was getting my debt paid off so that I could eliminate those minimum payments and start putting my money into places where it was actually going to grow for me. And so from that moment, I committed to creating a system to become financially independent at an early age. That was my goal. And today I call it the financial impact system. And it starts with identifying what I call your impact number. And your impact number is the most important number in your personal finances. It's where all wealth building begins. And the way to calculate your impact number is every 30 days, you're going to calculate your income, calculate your expenses, income minus expenses equals your impact number. It's going to change every single month because every month you're going to have different income. Every month you're going to have different expenses because a lot of expenses are periodic and unexpected. But in general, what we're looking for is an average monthly impact number that we can start using to build our pillars of wealth. And after maximizing cash flow, the second pillar of wealth is to eliminate debt. And I wanted to take some time today with this wealth episode to talk about debt because I know many of you are struggling with debt. You know, we are living in a global consumer-driven economy where we get these subliminal messages to go into more and more debt. We're always being invited to spend when we are responsible with our debt repayments. Our lenders and sometimes the bank will increase our lines of credit. And if you haven't received financial education, then most likely, and what most people do is we rely on banks and lenders for our financial information. And if a bank is extending you a line of credit or increasing a line of credit for you, then subconsciously, you're going to think, oh, well, I'm supposed to spend this. 
And it's not until the debt reaches a, a maximum you know, amount or your payment goes up to the point where you might be negative each month, meaning you don't have an impact number, you're actually negative. That's when it starts to really hurt. And that's when you're living paycheck to paycheck. You're always waiting for money to come in so that you can pay your bills. And that's not a fun place to live. I know because I lived there for many years and I don't ever want to be there again. And so one of the keys to wealth building is to eliminate high interest rate debt. Some financial experts will say to eliminate all debt, including your car, including your mortgage, even low interest rate debts, even student loans, because interest is interest, right? I mean, if we have the option to not pay any interest, then we have a choice to do something else with that money. And so it does make sense to pay off all debt so you're not paying any interest so that you get to keep your money. There's also another way to look at that where Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, talks about using OPM, other people's money. And so let's say you have a, a low interest rate on a loan, say it's 3%. And, you know, inflation today is 8 or 9%. High yield savings accounts are getting us about 4%. Then you start to think, huh, well, essentially this is, and I put it in air quotes, free money to use this loan and write out the full term of the loan and just pay that 3% because I can get 4% in my high yield savings account. So that's another way to look at it. It's a philosophical conversation. But today we're really primarily here to talk about debt what are your options if you have debt? How do you repay it? And what are some creative ways to repay debt? So let's get started. So first of all, what is debt? Debt is a loan on, it could be credit cards, a house, which is called a mortgage, a car loan. It could be a student loan. It could be a personal loan. But it's money that we owe to someone else who gave us a lump sum or a line of credit and they're charging us rent. You know, that's really what interest is, is the cost to borrow money. And debt can be very expensive, especially credit card debt. Rates right now are all the way up into, you know, the 29 to even 30% APRs, annual percentage rates. And so again, debt isn't bad, it's just expensive. And so we really want to think about what's the highest and best use of our dollars every month. We want to get our dollars growing for us in high-yield savings accounts, in retirement accounts, in investment accounts, and potentially even into other streams of income that can give us a monthly cash flow. So we're going to talk about what are your repayment options. I'm going to say what they are now, and then I'm going to go into more detail of them. You can crush your debt. And we'll talk about whether doing a debt avalanche or doing a debt snowball is the best method for you, what those methods are. You can settle your debt. We'll talk about what that is. You can consolidate your debt. There's also credit counseling or a debt management program. And then, of course, the end of the road, the last resort is bankruptcy. And we'll talk about, you know, what are the different kinds of bankruptcy, you know, who qualifies for bankruptcy and sort of the pros and cons. Because, you know, living in the United States, we are afforded a lot of, let's call them privileges. And, you know, one of those privileges is that if we get into trouble with debt, in other words, we can't make our minimum payments, we have some options. You know, nobody's going to come and threaten us physically or, 
that's actually illegal is to to receive threatening phone calls from debt collectors. And we'll talk about that. And so we have these sort of last resorts that we can use to repay our debts or to have our debts forgiven. So, you know, before we get into what those repayment options are, I want to go into why do people get into debt? Because I think there's a lot of shame that comes with being in debt. And the truth is, is that you know, not only are we being invited to spend more money than we earn on a daily basis, we're not getting a lot of financial education in school. Although I did just read on NEFI, the National Endowment for Financial Education, I'm, I subscribe to their newsletter, that now we have 23 out of 50 states that offer financial education in school. And so I'm so excited about that. I'm so proud of that. I think that's really important. Because why are we working so hard, right? We're working hard to get a paycheck. And then what do we do with that paycheck? Well, in my mind, we're using that paycheck to build a life that we love. And how do we build a life that we love? Well, we need to know what do we do with our money and how do we manage our money so that we can live that life that we love living. It's not that we have to make a ton of money. It's more about is the money that we're earning giving us the quality of life that we desire? And how can we use the money that we're earning to live the life that we desire? And that takes intention. And unless we are telling our money what to do, it really doesn't do anything for us. And that's the thing about personal finance. Most people throw in the towel before they ever even get started managing their money because They're not willing to look at it and tell it what to do. So, you know, one hour a month at a minimum, having a money date with yourself, looking at what's going to come in this month, what's going to go out next month, and what can I do with the difference? That's really how you build personal wealth is you take a proactive, you're proactive with managing your money. It is an active process. So why do we get into debt? It can start with financial hardship, right? You know, that was me back in my 20s when my medication was so expensive. I didn't have another way to pay for my medication other than my credit cards. And so, you know, it could be that you lose your job for a period of time and you need to, you know, buy food on a credit card or buy gas on a credit card. It could be that, you know, you have a a medical bill or someone in your family has a medical bill that you need to pay for with credit cards. So the number one reason that Americans file for bankruptcy is actually medical bills. So that's one of the first debts that I look at when I'm working with clients to settle. If someone has really big outstanding medical bills, it's one of the first places that you can settle debt. So we will talk about what is debt settlement and how how can we use that if we're in that situation You know, other people will go into debt because they're just not looking at their money. You know, it's like you're swiping every single day for everything that you want to buy and you're just not tracking your money. And then all of a sudden you're spending more money than you're earning because you're just not paying attention. So a lot of people get into debt that way. Another reason people go into debt is because they are bootstrapping their business. Now, whether you are an entrepreneur or you are a solopreneur, if you're not getting funding from an outside source to start your business, you are bootstrapping. 
Bootstrapping means that you are raising the funds to get your business off the ground. There are a lot of expenses that come into play when we're talking about starting a business. It could be the cost for acquiring new customers. So that's marketing and advertising. It could be the cost for systems. So how are you keeping track of your customers? How are you keeping track of projects? Other costs could be, you know, your technology. Are you using Zoom that might have a monthly subscription fee? Or are you using a, a, an online calendar that has a monthly subscription fee? Are you using something like Canva to create assets and graphics? Or if you are a solopreneur, maybe you're an online coach or you've got a service-based business where you're delivering a community experience. So there's the cost to you know host that community if you're not doing it in Facebook. You also might have a cost related to housing your courses that you're delivering to your customers. So, you know, a lot of people will come to me and ask, okay, Holly, what is the right amount of investment to get my business off the ground? And I always go back to a three-year runway. So I believe that we can do anything that we want in three years. And any successful business or any successful new endeavor income stream generally takes about two to three years to truly become profitable and sustainable because of startup costs and for the mere fact that, you know, as we build our business, people are watching us. They want to know that when they're ready for a financial coach or a real estate agent or a nutritionist or whatever product or service it is that you offer, that you're still going to be there when they're ready to hire you. And so a lot of times with any new business, people are sort of waiting on the sidelines before they make a decision to hire you just to make sure that you truly are in it to win it. So if we're looking at that three-year runway, then the next question is, well, what's the right amount of personal investment to put up to get my business off the ground? And the answer to that is it is personal. You know, it really is going to come down to how much money have you saved to now invest into your new income stream. You know, a lot of people ask me about residual income. Well, Holly, I want to create residual income. My answer is always, it takes three things to create residual income, time, capital, and energy or effort. And so when we apply that to starting a business or starting a new income stream, you know, that capital investment could come in the form of those expenses that we just talked about. So, of course, the first question to ask yourself is, can I support these new expenses with my current cash flow? And if the answer is no, and you're considering putting these new expenses on a credit card, well, then the next question is, what is my runway? You know, how much am I willing to invest into my business and for how long before it's got to become profitable? I know when I started Financial Impact, I gave myself three years to truly become profitable. And of course, some of the things that I invested in weren't just the systems and the different products and services that helped me deliver financial coaching and community and courses, but I also invested in coaching. And coaching is a super effective way to meet your goals faster and sometimes in a even more exponential have a, have an even more exponential impact, right? Because now you're working with someone who's been there and done that and can show you the way. So a good coach is generally going to be pricey, right? We're spending money in expect in expectation that we're going to get a certain return. I had an amazing business coach when I first started out. 
And I invested quite a lot. And I remember being invited into a container after I think a couple of years of working with this business coach. And I had this moment where I said, you know, I'd given myself a runway of three years. I want to see a return on what I've already invested before I invest more money. So, you know, if you're in that category of being a solopreneur, being an entrepreneur, and you've invested a, a significant amount of your own personal money into your business, then just like we do with our personal finances, have a money date with yourself. Make sure that you can maintain the the level of debt that you've already taken on and being able to make those minimum payments. But be really honest with yourself about when you expect to become profitable. And are your months having a 10% increase in revenue month over month? For example, that could be a way that you measure your success in whatever your runway is. So, you know, I've seen people invest $250,000 in their new startup. I've seen people invest $2,500 in their new startup. So it's going to be personal to you. But again, just remember that any debt we take on personally for a business is still personal debt and it can still impact our personal finances. And it does impact our personal finances. In fact, one kind of side note that I do want to share is if you have started your business and you have an employer identification number, an EIN, which you get from the IRS, open your lines of credit for your business expenses in your EIN. Do everything that you can to separate your personal social security number from your EIN when it comes to taking on business loans. And the reason that we do this is because if you set your your business up as, say, an LLC, a limited liability company, what that means is that If the worst case scenario happened and for some reason, you know, the company went bankrupt or the company was sued, you are now separated from any liability, including debts, as long as those debts are in the EIN. And also, when you apply for a loan personally, any of your business debts that are under your EIN are not going to show up on your personal credit report because they are, in fact, separate. So that's a strategy if you are going to be investing in your startup. And just remember that, you know, building a new income stream requires patience. It requires discipline. It requires showing up over and over and over again. And so just like with our personal expenses, when we're spending money, when we're making an investment in anything, you know, whether it's a business expense or just something that you want or you feel like you need, as long as that is aligned, with your values and with your goals, and it fits into that runway that you've given yourself and you can afford those payments and you have a pretty good idea of when you're going to become profitable and be able to repay those debts, then that is a way to sort of measure and assess if you're making, I'm putting this in air quotes, the right decision with the money that you're spending right now. You know, some people get into debt because they're impulsive spenders. You know, something cool rolls through a store or you're invited to go on an expensive vacation and there's not a stopgap where you actually consider how will this purchase impact my future? How will this purchase impact my financial life? And that's really important. It's really important because money is one of those things that 
we have an opportunity if we're really managing where we're putting our money to say yes to what it is that we value and no to what is not important to us or it's just not the right time right now. And it takes self-confidence. It takes the ability to say no and sort of state what is best for you. And I think that can be scary for a lot of people, you know, like good example of it is, you know, there's a contribution at work for someone's retirement party. Maybe you don't even know this person. You've passed them in the in the kitchen, you know, a couple times throughout the years, but you really don't know this person, but you feel peer pressure to contribute to a gift for their retirement party. But meanwhile, you know that you have debt. So if it, my mantra when I had debt was, if I'm in debt, I can't afford it because right now I'm still paying for decisions that I made years ago. So I don't have room in my monthly budget to buy something that's non-essential. And so in that situation, I might say, you know what? I'm saving for a financial goal. I really don't have room in my budget to contribute. How can I contribute in a different way? Can I bring cookies? Can I get the card? And just offering an alternative other than forking over your hard-earned money when you know that you really need to get your debt paid off. And so just kind of knowing where you where you stand is really important and being able to say say no to the things that aren't financially in your best interest right now. And it really is okay. You're allowed to say no. It is okay. And people will understand and you're also getting people on your team to support you in building your pillars of wealth, especially when you say, "Hey, I've got this financial goal that I'm saving for." People will be like, you know, instead of going out to lunch, let's pack our lunches tomorrow. Or instead of spending money going out to this concert, let's find something else to do for fun. And that way it becomes more of a collaborative effort instead of you always having to say no. Now you've got people who want the best for you who are on your team. So let's talk first about the debt crush. Now, a debt crush is the way that is where I usually begin when I'm working with clients who have debt. Because with a debt crush, we are looking at what is the monthly cost to carry your debts? You know, how much is it actually costing you every single month to carry this debt? And so we start from an information point of view. We're trying to look at, well, if you're just making the minimum payments on your debts, how long will it take you to pay them off? And what is it costing you each month to carry these debts. And with the debt crush, the purpose is to eliminate your debt as fast as possible while paying the least amount of interest. And how do we do that? Well, we have two methods. We have the debt avalanche and we have the debt snowball. Now the debt avalanche is the, let's call it the mathematically superior way to pay off your debts fast while paying the least amount of interest because we order the debts by highest interest rate first. And what you're going to do is you're going to target that highest interest rate debt to pay it off in full before the others while only making the minimum payments on your other debts. And what this does is it hyper-focuses, it concentrates the value of your dollars today on eliminating that high interest rate debt first. Because once that debt is paid off, let's say your impact number was 100 bucks, and the minimum on that highest interest rate debt was 50 bucks. So you're putting $150 a month 
toward that highest interest rate debt, you're only paying the minimums on the rest of your debts. Well, once that debt is gone, you've got 150 bucks plus the minimum payment of the second highest interest rate debt to pay that one off. So say that second highest interest rate debt was 50 bucks. Well, now you've got $200 a month to put toward that second highest interest rate debt. And each time you pay off one debt, you add what you were putting toward it to the minimum payment of the next highest interest rate debt. And so the amount that you put towards your debt over time grows. And that's why it's called a debt avalanche. Now, the debt snowball method, on the other hand, means that you order your debts by balance. So lowest balance at the top, and you pay off the lowest balance debt first. And the idea is that you get these emotional wins each time you pay off a debt. And that's valid. So whether you want those emotional wins of paying off you know, the little balances first, or you want to just follow that mathematically superior way of paying off the highest interest rate debt first, it's really up to you. But the idea is that every single month you're having a money date with yourself, you're calculating your impact number, and you're saying, okay, this month I've got an extra $100. I'm going to put that towards my debt crush. And the key that makes a debt crush work, it's two things. Number one, you've got to stop using credit cards. You've got to stop using credit cards. Put them in a file. Don't close the accounts because that does impact your credit score. Or you can put them in a bowl of water and freeze them like I did to make it very difficult to get to them. But you've got to stop using credit cards. And what that means is that now you're going to be spending only money that you have. And that takes practice. You're getting into really starting to responsibly manage your money when you start to just spend money that you have. And that's a beautiful thing because you're going to start to value every single thing that you buy and you'll start to get into the habit of asking yourself, is this really worth it to me this month? Do I actually have the money to buy this and or do I need to say no? And what really worked for me when I started to crush my debt was the confidence that I built each time I said no because I was able to separate myself from that feeling of want. You know, unless it was essential, it took me three years to eliminate my debt. And I, for a long period of time, I only spent on things that were essential, which meant I had to say no to a lot of things that were fun and I wanted, but I just knew that what was on the other side of, let's just say this uncomfortable period was everything that I wanted. And that's exactly what happened. Once I let go of the power that wanting something had over me and sort of took my power back to say, no, I'm making a good decision for myself by saying no to this purchase or no to this spending, it did start to build my confidence. And it also helped me become a better steward of the dollars that I had because I knew exactly how much I was going to have at the end of the month. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing with my extra dollars. And I just knew that there was light at the end of the tunnel. And also not using credit cards anymore, it just helped me sort of rest easy at night knowing that my debt wasn't growing, but it was coming down and that this debt was going to be gone. And so, you know, once you create a debt crush, you can just divide your balances by how much you're putting towards your debt each month. And you can determine your debt-free date, and that can be really powerful. You know, for me, my debt minimums added up to $875 a month at the time. 
And I don't remember what my impact number was. It sort of changed as I was eliminating my debt because in the beginning, I just focused on reducing or eliminating expenses. But then sort of towards the end of my debt crush, I focused on creating additional streams of income so that I could increase my impact number by having more income. And that money that was going toward my debt repayment then went into my savings. And so I was able to build my savings really fast because I was putting over $1,000 a month away into my savings. And that's really when you can start to breathe easier. When you, you know, have eliminated the debt, now you start to see your balances grow. And that's really, now you're really building wealth. And I was able to maintain my level of spending because I was already in the habit at that time of knowing exactly where I wanted my dollars to go each month and saying no to things that really didn't serve my future self. So that is the debt crush. Again, the the keys that make it work is you've got to stop using credit cards entirely, put all of your payments on minimum payment that you're not targeting right now, and take your impact number plus the minimum of either the highest interest rate debt or the debt that has the lowest balance, and pay one debt off at a time until they're all gone. And the amount that you put toward each debt, each time you pay one off, will grow. And that's why it's called the debt avalanche or the debt snowball. Now, let's talk about debt consolidation. Debt consolidation means you take multiple debts and consolidate them into one debt. And there are really two primary ways to do this. You can do this by getting a 0% balance transfer credit card which is a line of credit, or you can get a personal loan. Uh, The difference between a line of credit and a personal loan is a line of credit means you can use it as needed. It's there for you. A personal loan means they're going to drop, say, $10,000, if that's the amount that you're approved for, into your personal checking account. Then you're going to use that money to pay off your debts. And then you have one set payment for a set period of time until that debt is paid off. So pros and cons to both, you know, debt consolidation, how does it impact your credit score? This is the question that I get a lot. Well, what's going to happen with debt consolidation is let's say that you get a balance transfer credit card. Well, all of the debts that you pay off with that balance transfer credit card are now going to go to a debt to credit ratio of zero. And any debt-to-credit ratio that's 30% or below is good and improves your credit score. So that's actually going to help your credit score because what it shows is that you have access to money, lines of credit, that you're not using. And in the world of credit, they see that as positive, so you get bonus points for it. On the other hand, what's happening with a 0% balance transfer credit card is you're now maxing out a credit card. So now you've got a debt-to-credit ratio on that one account of 100%. And, you know, 30 to 50% is where you start to see going from getting bonus points for having a low debt to credit ratio to your score actually dropping because now you're reaching the threshold of that line of credit. And really, once you get above 50% debt to credit ratio on a credit card is when your your credit score will start to drop. And all that means is if you've got a $1,000 line of credit and you did a balance transfer and, you know, you paid off smaller debts. And now you've got a $1,000 debt on that one card. You're using $1,000 out of your $1,000 line of credit. That's 100% debt to credit ratio. 
And so that will drop your score a little bit. But as time goes on, each time you make a payment, that debt to credit ratio is going to start to come down. And again, it's temporary. In the grand scheme of things, if you're not getting ready to buy something where you need to get pull a credit application or get a big loan, it doesn't really matter. Credit is just a snapshot of a moment in time. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but that is sort of, that's what happens behind the scenes. So debt consolidation with a 0% balance transfer credit card is usually going to cost 3 to 5% of the balance that you're wanting to transfer. So say you're transferring $10,000 to a new $25,000 line, you're going to pay 3 to 5% of that $10,000 to transfer it and so on and so forth. You can transfer as many little debts as you have to that one big line of credit that you get on your 0% balance transfer. So that's the credit card balance transfer. Another way to consolidate your debt is through a personal loan. And again, you know, there are so many different lenders that you can apply to. You can go to your local bank. You can look at bankrate.com and look at personal loan offers. There are lots of companies out there that are doing personal loans. Rates today, it's hard to say when you're listening to this what rates are going to look like. They're generally going to be higher than, of course, a 0% balance transfer credit card, somewhere between 8 and 12%. It could be higher, it could be lower, depending on what's happening in the economy. And the benefit is that you now have one payment to make each month for a set period of time. And then so long as you're not using credit cards anymore, then you're debt-free. So debt consolidation, again, besides impacting your credit with you know your debt-to-credit ratios, it really doesn't have a big or negative impact to your credit score at all. The next debt repayment option is what's called debt settlement. Now, debt settlement means that you are paying less than what you owe to your creditors. This impacts your credit score. This drops your credit score. And the way to qualify for a debt settlement with credit cards is you have to be late on your payment three or four months before they will even consider giving you a settlement. Now, not all lenders will settle their debts, but many will. General rule of thumb in the industry is the lowest that a creditor will go or a lender will go with what they will accept in a settlement is 15%. So if you owe $10,000, you are looking at paying back $1,500. And all you have to do is ask to settle. You know, hello, Mr. or Mrs. credit card company. My name is Holly. I'm experiencing a financial hardship. I would like to settle this debt. The maximum that I can pay each month is $200. I know I owe $10,000. Could you please drop this down to $1,500 and I'll agree to a payment plan today. This, like I said, not only will you have the late payment impacts to your credit score, but it's possible that that debt could also go into a collection so that you could have a collection on your credit reports. And then a debt settlement will be reported on your credit report. But if it means the difference between feeding your family or, you know, paying your rent or your mortgage or making your car payment because that gets you to work, it could be worth it for you to have a lower credit score for a period of time, 
but then to be able to meet your minimum obligations and, you know, keep the car, keep the apartment, put food on the table. And so it's something to weigh. And it is an option that we have available to us. The sort of the last line of resort when it comes to debt settlement is creditors and you have a right to go to court and plead your case in front of a judge. And so going back to that, let's say you owed $10,000 and you wanted to pay $1,500. Let's say that your creditor is not agreeable to that. Well, then you can go to court and have a judge look at your case. And then let's say that the judge says, uh, I want you to pay $5,000 towards your $10,000 debt. Then you'll enter into a payment plan with that creditor and you'll have a judgment on your credit report, which again is a negative mark on your credit report. But that is how the system ultimately gets us to repay our debts is through those judgments. Not all creditors are going to show up to court. We never know if that's going to happen or not, but that is sort of the end of the line when it comes to debt repayment. Another thing I want to mention is credit counseling. Credit counseling means all of your debts get consolidated into one payment, and then you have what's called a debt management program, making payments to your, your creditors for you, and then they're taking a small fee to do that. Generally, you are going to pay a little bit less, but it depends on the credit counseling company, whatever deal they're able to negotiate with your creditors. This also does impact your credit score negatively, but I don't think, and again, I'm not a credit repair specialist. At one point, I was licensed with credit repair, but that was many years ago, and of course, the world of credit is constantly changing. But I do believe that when you enter into a credit counseling, at least this is the way that it was a few years ago, you do have a note on your credit reports that you're in a credit counseling agreement. So that's something that you would want to talk to if you're looking at credit counseling. And then finally, we get to bankruptcy. And there are two different kinds of bankruptcy. There's Chapter 7 and Chapter 13. Chapter 7 is a full liquidation, which means all of your debts are forgiven. In order to qualify for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you do have to you cannot have any assets, you know, a house to sell where you could potentially profit from equity owned or, you know, a car that you could sell for cash. The courts are really going to look at, does this person truly need a full liquidation bankruptcy? And then what happens is collection calls, generally your attorney will write a cease and desist letter, which is something that you can also do if you're settling your debts. You can write a cease and desist letter so that can stop the collection activity and then your debts are forgiven. Yes, it impacts your credit. You It will be on your credit report for 10 years if it's a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Also, I think it's important to know that many people make a full recovery from bankruptcy all the time, all the time. And you, know, you can start getting loans in as quick as I've seen up to two years after a bankruptcy. But something to know is that anytime you're asked on a credit application, have you ever filed for bankruptcy, even if it's no longer on your credit reports, of course, we do have to answer honestly. Otherwise, it's considered fraud if we don't answer honestly. So that's something that can stay with you forever. But it's really going to be up to the lender whether that take that whether they take that into consideration when deciding to give you a loan if that bankruptcy from 30 years ago is really going to matter to them or not. A lot of times it doesn't. Sometimes it does. It just depends on the individual bank. A chapter 13 bankruptcy means that you enter into a five-year repayment plan 
You can keep your house if you own a house or, you know, your car if you own a car. And all of the debt that has not been paid at the end of those five years, then it is forgiven. And so again, in order to qualify for bankruptcy, you do have to be approved, go through the court system. And it's a business decision. You know, at, at the end of the day, kind of going back to what is the point of working to earn a paycheck, to build a life that we love? It's not to have a great credit score because at the end of the day, what does that even mean? It's to put food on the table, to take care of our kids, our family, to, you know, be in community with one another, to be able to do the things that bring us joy. And so, you know, if you have a bankruptcy, I've, it, again, it's a business decision. And does it impact your ability to get loans in the future? Yes, it absolutely can. But what's, what's present for you today? What is the most important thing for you today? So I hope you find that this is useful, understanding the many different repayment options, and you do have many debt repayment options. You have your debt crush, whether you do a debt avalanche or a debt snowball, you have debt settlement, you have debt consolidation, credit counseling, and then finally, there is bankruptcy. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Wealth Trifecta. If you loved this episode, please give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. Tune in again and find me on the socials at Holly Morph, where I share freebies, events, and inspiration. I always love to hear from my listeners, so please say hello. If you're looking for financial coaching, check out my website at financialimpact.com. Be sure to join my list and stay up to date with all my offerings, including private coaching, small group coaching, financial retreats, and more. Until we meet again, be healthy, be wealthy, and be happy.